0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Page Turner, Story Screen's very own book club. My name is Robert Anderson. Uh, you're used to hearing Mike Burge's voice, but I've stripped him of his power and have made him my guest. How are you, Mike? Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. So today we're talking about uh, Alan Moore, written by Alan Moore, and uh, I believe also written by David Lloyd. No,
1: no, he, um, he, he drew did, it. He drew it. Okay. Illustrated.
0: So... Written by Alan Moore, illustrated by David Lloyd. We're doing for Vendetta today, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited to talk about it. for uh, Vendetta had its run uh, pretty much throughout the 80s yeah. and then was adapted into a film in 2005 where it was directed by James uh, McTeague. Yep. And it was also written by the Wachowski siblings, which is yes. pretty interesting. Lily and Anna. Yes. So this movie kind of exists um, between, I think, like the two big superhero bubbles. Two thousand five, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like right, like during the begins after the Spider Man's, and then it's pre, you know, the Iron Man and the big Marvel zeitgeist that kind of happens. But yeah, we're here to talk about you know adaptations and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, What's *V for Vendetta* about, Robert? uh, I think. Well, you know, I think the movie and the book might be about different things. Well, what's the book about? The book is about. um, It's about kind of. Resisting a fascist government, um, I do think the character of V, uh, who is a type of—I guess he's a vigilante in general. Mm-hmm. I am hard pressed to call him a superhero. I actually considered him such, and then I was like looking through like uh, IMDb lists and things like that of superhero movies, and I didn't see V from Vendetta, and I thought that was interesting. You could
1: consider him a superhero. He's got superpowers, kind he, of. You yeah, know, I mean
0: the the film definitely gives him a little bit more. Superpower yeah. ease and yeah
1: they do de- because like it's more visual yeah uh, like which is you know a little odd
0: and they kind of allude to him like you know because of what happened to him maybe giving him supernatural right abilities. like he's kind of
1: like uh like a dark man character or it's like some kind of weird scientific accident has given him not necessarily these like out otherworldly uh anti-reality bending yeah. um superpowers is more just like he's fucking strong
0: he's yeah. fast He's smart. And he definitely went crazy. And he
1: can't really get hurt uh, very easily. No. Mm -hmm. I I guess spoilers... Right off yeah, the bat, right, I guess you know, I should say, because we pretty much just jump right into it because the whole idea is that people have read the book right. and watched the movie and now they're tuning on in to check it out. Uh,
0: if you don't want it spoiled for you, I definitely recommend both these pieces of media because they're awesome.
1: highly recommend the graphic novel.
0: I think the graphic novel, you know, for a while I preferred the graphic novel over the movie because I actually read the graphic novel second. Um and you know i liked the movie when i was a kid but a lot of the subject matter totally went over my head i was a youngin and then i read the book when i was in college and i was like oh this is like way better because there's just like a lot of elements i think in the book that i really would have liked to see in the movie totally um what's your history with like engaging with v for vendetta
1: well uh v for vendetta is you know it's a uh like you said it's an anti-fascist story uh made in the 80s where it was kind of um you know uh taken a really kind of weird dark satirical look at like the Thatcher administration in England yeah and uh and then like the movie version really kind of t- like the the graphic novel uh deals with like these bouts of like the differences between anarchy and fascism these two kind of uh, polar opposites of like kind of almost the same kind of ethos you know like yeah. uh, the, both kind of like like too much control and like no control at all and uh, which which of the like and I really like it how it like with the the book's villain and the book's hero you don't really know are they the hero and are they the villain they kind of the the idea of fascism is presented just as equally as the idea of anarchy and yeah. each is given its positive and negative things whereas the movie is more of, like, this kind of... They Americanize it a little bit. It still takes place um, in London, and right. it's... Uh, it's
0: But it's more about, like... It's much kind more of... about neoliberalism versus neo Yeah, That's, that's like, 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 totally like, what that movie it's is insanely about. That. It's
1: insanely that. It's
0: weird how the, the book and... The graphic novel and the movie are not wholly different, but, like the core thematics of it mm-hmm. are not worlds apart, but like different, very different, very, again,
1: not worlds apart, but no. very much about two different things. That's yes. one of the things too. like uh, Alan Morris hated about the
0: he movie. didn't like
1: the script and he kind of denounced it and said like, I don't want to be attached to this anymore because league of extraordinary gentlemen adaptation burned me and the from hell
0: yeah.
1: adaptation burned me, which the from hell adaptation is it's just fine. It's quite good. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um. The The graphic novel from Hell is fucking great.
0: I mean, if you know anything about Alan Moore or if you can gleam anything from his writings, he's not really a huge fan of like giant systems, and I think Hollywood might be one mm-hmm. of those. Alan Moore
1: is one of those people that isn't very well put together, or he's put together too well. Yes. It's kind of like anarchy and fascism. Well, I think, also... you know,
0: in the book, what I really like is when... I think V exists as an anarchist, not because he thinks that anarchy is necessarily... The way he wants the world to be run, but in London, because we have such extreme fascism, fas, fascism, fascism, Fassbender, fasbender, mm-hmm. that anarchy is kind of the only thing that might even the scale, kind right. of, to yeah. kind of, like, bring the just scales. That's,
1: to that's the conversation scale. that Alan Moore and David Lloyd are having in the graphic novel, and the conversation that the Wachowski sisters are having in this in the film is that of like yeah very much like uh crazy liberalism versus crazy conservatism but it's also like the conservatism is given this kind of fascist uh glow because like that's very much where uh neoconservatism like the which we now call the far right right you know that's very much where it was going mm-hmm. and you know you see scenes in the movie of like John Hurt who in this movie it's really crazy because John Hurt was in 1984 the the uh, the adaptation of that from the eight in from 1984 yeah. as like the hero as the um you know the repressed and trying to like break free and now in this John Hurt is like the leader he is like the the face on the TV that is like lying and and kind yeah. of controlling and pulling all the strings for all of the different little
0: mm-hmm. people
1: and um so like my outlook on this is uh, I saw this movie when I was living in Japan oh I um I was in the military. And I saw it over there and this was like, you know, this is just like five years after uh nine eleven mm-hmm. and you have like a, a terrorist who's like blowing up buildings is the only way to get shit done and you're kinda like, he's just a yeah. little weird. Yeah. Yeah, but like and you couldn't really take this movie and move it over to America. You know, like you could do that if you wanted to, but like yeah. using I mean, Guy I think Fox. I Alan Moore
0: wanted it to be set in America. But yeah, using well, yeah, Guy I mean, Fox. Yeah, even really totally use Guy Fox's mask yeah, yeah. and
1: everything because he was like the you know the of November anonymous. kind of thing, tried to blow up Parliament. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it, it, it's a really weird movie, and I think detaching it from. The graphic novel, I, I feel like more people that I know that haven't read the graphic novel enjoy the movie a lot more. I think so, yeah. And, you know, like, I enjoy
0: the movie for what it is. Did, wait, did you graphic novel first, movie second? Graphic novel first. What do you think I am? Well, I don't know. I guess you're a little bit older than me, so you might have. I am a, a little thing. bit older than you. All right, fuck you.
1: Whoa, you want to do this right now? You want to throw the, it down? You want podcast? to throw it down? I these invite are, you in my home? These are people that read books. These are intellectuals. They don't want to hear us quibble. <sighs> I guess you're right. Quabble? Quabble? Quaffle? quibble,
0: quiffle, Quaffle? Quaff, Quidditch. Argue. Quidditch. Harry Potter. That's a book. No one wants. We've figured. We solved the mystery. Just Hell like All in right, all right. Then. so we're going to talk about Harry Potter and the
1: Philosopher's Stone.
0: All right, so listen. Here's the thing. How hot do you think Voldemort's face is getting under that guy's weird hat? Well, it's probably not that hot. It's probably hard to breathe. Hard to breathe, yes. Right. Does he need oxygen? Do they share the same pair of lungs? <sighs> is this our first bit of the new year? I think it's pretty good. It is. <laughs> we've been bri- we've been getting, oh I wasn't pretty good. I wasn't podcasting. saying it wasn't
1: a good bit. I was just like wow, here it is. <laughs> we stepped right into we it. We Just did it. We haven't done a podcast in quite some time. Oh my point. god, I'm. We had the holidays I'm and everything, so and we, this is the one we had to get out of the way before we can schedule all the other ones because we we're on a time with this. one. we had to do it at the beginning of the month, right?
0: Um, I was really excited when you invited me to be on and host the Beaver Mindana episode. I was very excited because mm. I do, I I have a love. For the book and the movie, but I, I really wanted to revisit it again, and this is kind of a perfect time to do it. It
1: was a lot of fun to read the book again. The book I haven't is, read it since. So good. I read the book. So again, going back to like the original question, I <laughs> read the book in high school.
0: Right.
1: Um. When I was going through my little graphic novel angsty stage, I uh-huh. fell in love with Alan Moore. I think uh, a buddy of mine, Brian, lent me his uh, single issue copies of Watchmen, uh, which is a delightful. Uh Watching story. is yep.
0: fantastic. And
1: that got me into Alan Moore, who I realized like had also made things that I had read, such as uh Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, uh Superman story that he did, and um I had also read uh some Swamp
0: Things from him, I think, at that time. I haven't time. read Swamp Things. I hear it's very good. I mean yeah, all I mean, of Alan Moore's Alan Moore stuff
1: is very good. And I i read a couple Batman stuff, obviously. Killing Joke. Yep.
0: Um did he do what else did he do besides Killing Joke? You know uh what?
1: he did the um I mean, Killing Joke is the one that popped into my head. That's, I think he's done. One, yeah. I think he's done some other ones, yeah. but uh, I read this in high school, and then uh, I read it again right before the movie came out because I wanted to refresh myself on it. And oh boy, I didn't have to do that
0: because mm. the movie
1: is aggressively different. Uh, one of the one of the things I don't like about the book is that it, it's it's it was originally released in the early '80s as these very tiny, like three to four page um like little vignettes yeah. uh that were little short stories that were I would have
0: hated to read this yeah, like that <laughs> were that
1: were published. but it's great because like every four pages you kind of get this conclusion yeah. you get this little cliffhanger and then you just
0: go and it and it bleeds over very well I think that's the idea of comics of yesteryear where you know it's like when you read Spider-Man in a newspaper it's three panels
1: mm-hmm. and there's a cliffhanger yeah and oh that's like, the beauty of comics and how far yeah. they've come yeah. but it, uh, it it was uh, published in a, a comic book by the name of Warrior
0: i think it was called warriors a warrior you know me uh
1: which i'm not too familiar with um and then uh it's slowly like once they got to about 22 chapters i think dc bought up the rights to it and ended up uh reproducing all of the issues as a uh, single issues where they would kind of take uh they would take about uh, five or six of these vignettes and put them into a single issue and that would be a single issue and then they were slowly uh, something like that something like maybe four or five and then uh i think it was 10 overall uh with a couple like side ones which are at the end of like the big graphic novel that you yeah. have here um and uh it it's very different they take away a lot of the characters uh from the from the book the movie
0: does not translate a lot of the characters. I think there's some improvements. Uh, there are some improvements. Like, Stephen Fry's some... character is way better in the movie than he is in the comic book. Oh, movie. yeah,
1: because they kind of, they kind of, uh, I remember watching, I just watched the movie uh, yeah. yesterday.
0: We actually did in reverse this. order, because I watched the movie then read the book. Oh, and nice. Then you did it the other there way. There you go.
1: Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, watching Stephen Fry's character, I was like, oh, Stephen Fry's in this. Well, oh, wait, doesn't he end up being like, he's a, he's a homosexual and he has to hide it? Or something, and I couldn't remember, and then I, because I had just finished reading the book, I, I was like, oh, just he's playing realized. the Gordon character. Yeah. What an interesting thing to do with that character, to give that character layers. I only
0: just found, I only just realized watching it this time that his character was gay. Ooh. Um, I guess when I was a kid, I just never really, I, I don't, I know he had, like, all the weird artwork. I thought he had, like, provocative artwork in his room. Like, a young Robbie well, would would call it that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and I think it makes, it makes way more sense to... And also, sorry, I'm ahead of myself. I like what they did with his character. I think it makes more sense. um, Because in the book, he's like a gangster that just kind of bangs Evie. Well, in the
1: book, again, these are dealing with two completely different things.
0: Uh, Gordon's character, Stephen Fry's
1: depiction of Gordon in the movie is supposed to be representative of the people who are getting lost in this fight that ended years ago, like the... You know, the, one of the things that I keeps skipping my mind in this is that, like, this is, this takes place in a world where there were events where they got rid of all of at the desidens. At least in, at all least all in Britain. The, all, yeah, they yeah. got rid of all of the gay people, all, all of, of the, the black blacks. people, all of the yep. people of color, uh, all of the, even if you were white. Uh, they would get rid of you if you were, you know... Uh, if you were lying politically it, differently, politically like with, with socialist yeah. or... Yeah, but. if you are trying to help them out. That's what happened to
0: Evie's parents, I think, in both versions,
1: and, pretty yep, much. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a little bit more intense, in the it, again, in the movie, because they're talking about, like, American politics more so than um, it, with the idea of, like... Uh, I think in the book, they're really just, like, a couple that are just trying to get by, and he's a he's just like kind of a writer or something and he just kind of gets like swept up in it. Her dad. Her dad. Um, and in the movie, it's more like they were protesters and they were activists. I think in the book, they were also activists. I don't remember picking that up in the book.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, that's what I thought I gleaned from it. But,
1: mm. yeah. but yeah, and Gordon's character in the book is mm-hmm. more so like talking about this whole idea of like a fascist regime and the different little inner workings that happen inside a, of a culture that is under complete totalitarian control and he's a guy who's like i'm a good person i'm just trying to get by but because there's all of this control over me and i don't want to be a part of that i have to do other things i have to pick my evils and so he ends up working with uh, criminals and everything and that gets him into hot water and that ends up uh
0: I think what Creedy or no, not Creedy, the the Irish guy kills him. Scottish guy. Scottish, um, he was Scottish. Ollie, yeah. Hard to pick up in the accent on the mm-hmm. page, but
1: Well, and that's one of the things too uh that, that like Ollie is not in the is not in the the movie and like I kept getting his character confused with Conrad's character and the yes. they look very yes. similar. The same with uh Dominic's character who is um the detective Finch's partner. Partner, right? I kept getting him confused with um, Derek Almond, yep. who dies very halfway through the book. Po- yeah, early, early, early think, very early. Yeah, like yeah very early. The first third, I kept getting I think. Confused because like they look very much there's alike.
0: There's a lot. So, listen, I think Alan Moore's writing is like impeccable, but there are times, and maybe this is like artistic choice, where there's so much dialogue, music, and like things happening in like three planes of action or more mm-hmm. happening on a single panel, and you're like, who's Ah uh, yes. Okay. And that's, I think... That one could of the, be on purpose, that's,
1: that's totally on purpose. That's yeah.
0: one of the things that makes Alan Moore yeah. so
1: interesting is that he doesn't really... He's a, he's a guy who writes some of the best comic books you've ever fucking read right. who doesn't like comic books and doesn't really necessarily understand how they work. Mm-hmm. He gets... You know, it's not up to him to figure out how a comic book that he writes is going to work in a layout form. That's up to the illustrators and the inkers. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, the editing crew. Like, he he just writes it because you can see, like, sometimes, like, there's more uh, text on the fucking panel than there is picture. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just very loaded and condensed because, you know, these are his, like, Facebook status rants (laughs) about, like, these little things. And he's, like, gone through and he's touched them up. And he's also a very good songwriter and a very good um, poet. And so he inserts those things in there to like kind of fluff up the attitude of the world that he's dealing with. I mean, with.
0: Watchmen also, like, panel to panel, is loaded with dialogue totally. and things like that, too. These
1: are the two Alan Moore things that are the most similar. Our Watchmen. Say so. They're yeah. very similar in like he's talking about these big, heady ideas while using this kind of superhero esque genre. And this mm-hmm. one, it's this kind of post apocalyptic. Um, superhero vigilante idea, right? And in Watchmen, he's straight up using like
0: Justice League, the, yeah, and exactly. Stuff like that, yeah. um, maybe almost like piggybacking off his uh, Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen idea, mm-hmm. kind of like putting it more in the the strange. Um, Evie's character gets a major change from graphic novel to movie as well. I I like her more. So you know, in in the comic book, she. Is like she goes out in the town to like solicit sex from she's a prostitute, she's a 16, prostitute, year, old prostitute. 16, 16, 16 year old prostitute, um, and that's how she like runs into V very similar just to just starting the movie, out actually. Yeah, she we should, yeah, mix she, that, we right, should
1: she, first night and she goes, literally, like, first night, and she's, she's she, she, not a good prostitute,
0: no, because she goes to the authorities to solicit mm-hmm. sex and they were like, mm, uh, nope, and which is great.
1: I like how they do that in both the movie and the book, where it's like this group of people like show up and it's like.
0: These thugs, and all of a sudden you find like no, these are the cops they're the brown coats; mm-hmm. they're like you don't fuck with them, and uh, but so then you know her interpretation in the movie she is not a prostitute; she i guess is is going to Stephen Fry's house to just hang out, but she's out after curfew well, she thinks station. that she's
1: going to Stephen Fry's house to get it on. get
0: get somewhere, but we
1: we're, we're it's revealed to us that that is actually uh, Gordon's character has to do this. In, in order to keep, keep his facade, yep.
0: right? Mm-hmm. Um, their arcs are very similar once the kind of plot in both get going, mm-hmm. um, but where they end up is a little different. Whereas in the in the graphic novel, uh, Evie takes on the mantle of V, and she kind of becomes so cool. the next V. And I, that's I think that's the biggest sin of the movie is that they just don't put her in that costume mm-hmm. and just, like, do that. Because in the movie, she she remains, you know, she does not take up the mantle. her What happens to her is very ambiguous. If anything, the idea is still in the film because the the citizens take up the mantle of V. The, right. the dead and the alive and the people who fought for it mm-hmm. all become V. So, like, the spirit of and that, that is, idea is And there. that is very ingrained in the idea of having a conversation
1: about anarchy and fascism and the similarities and the differences therein, and talking about Americanized politics and this kind of neo-agenda on both countersides of conservatism and liberalism. And it's like, you know, you you, you can't... You can't, with anarchy, yeah, you can take somebody down with one person, but in the way that the world operates, not only in America, but in, you know, 21st century Earth, yeah. uh, it's a little more nuanced than that. It's not so much, uh, and also too, I think it's a con- it's a conscious choice of the filmmakers and the producers to try and stray away as far as they can from the kind of radicalized terrorism that is so inherent in the book yeah. and kind of make it more of like this this um this cry for freedom, this cry for unity, and like and that's what the movie is more about is about all of these people have become comfortable and lazy. they kind of take in the book there's that great, great scene that you can't help but read out loud if you 're alone while you're reading the book there's a where, lot I read where he, out loud. where uh uh v presents himself on t v to everybody, and he pretty much is uh he has brought. The entire human race into the manager's office at a job and yes. is like giving them a rundown before firing them
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just talking about like you've had a good run and you know yeah you've been you've made it to work every day but yeah. oh I, things lately, really lately things haven't working out and it's yeah. it's very good and they kind of move that into the TV studio the TV hash. studio which is very much like where we we've gotten you know half an hour about half an hour into this area without even bringing up the fact that anonymous. you know, taken the Guy Fawkes mask from V for Vendetta. Have reused it. And they use it in a very similar way that he uses it in the 2006 film and the way that it was used in the 80s in that that issue. Uh, Speaking to the people. Speaking to the people, wearing the mask, being anonymous, not being able to be tracked.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, it just kind of operates in two different ways where like in the book... Again, when we're dealing with what the book is trying to talk about, he's completely criticizing the human race for always being given these opportunities to like break out and be their own people and to like allow themselves to make their own decisions and not put their faith and their trust in people that will just control them when given the opportunity. He's calling them lazy. In the movie, it's more like you've been given all these opportunities to be free and to do whatever you want with your life. They're kind of the same thing, but why he's saying it are two completely different
0: reasons and that's i think that's like kind of the theme of this discussion and when you're talking about the book versus the movie is that it's it's a slight pivot but it's it's what's wild to me as someone who's now kind of like done both and now talking about it is just how different thematically the two are and you know i I I like the book more because I do like that it's uh, I I would almost love and I I want to ask this question later and explore more about like maybe what a could there be another adaptation of V from Dead in the future and what would that look like <laughs> probably not mm, we'll see but you know I I would rather have the I like the the radical V and I think that it doesn't I don't think V is uh is a hero necessarily or is in the right necessarily when he's doing the things in the book but I think that he is just a radical. And I like the idea of having some, portraying your, one of your main characters as a radical and doing things as a radical and making the audience choose whether it's good or bad. Whereas I feel like in the movie, they're telling you he's good. Right. And that, like, lack of ambiguity, I think, is... Yeah, you know, they they go, they go so far as
1: to, like, present this gigantic joke where he, like, speaks in Vs at the beginning, like, mm-hmm. over oh, this gigantic speech that he's obviously prepared because that's... The movie has a very good way of kind of humanizing him by first... Pre- like, in the book, we don't really learn too much about him. We learn about his past, but we never learn about who he was or anything like that. And we don't in the movie either. Right. But in the movie, they kind of present it as this idea of this guy who... He's a little nuts, and he's um, he's a provocateur, and he's an entertainer. He likes movies, he likes music, he likes art, and he allows that to romantic. kind of... He's a romantic. Yeah, that... that, that uh, you know, that's how he expresses himself through like mm-hmm. this kind of over the top uh like artistic ways yeah and he does this gigantic obviously rehearsed um long drawn out explanation of who he is and what's wrong with the world using v's like i yeah. think it's uh they use it for that he uses 48 words that start with the letter v and there are 55 wor- v's in throughout the entire thing yeah uh, which is funny because five...
0: V is Roman Nubro. There's a lot, lot of Vs in the movie. A lot of Vs everywhere.
1: Like 11.05 on the clock is a yeah. V. And that's yes. November 5th. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember. It's, that's but, November. I, I digress with that. But it's uh, they make a point of being like, you're crazy, aren't you? And he's like, I'm sure they will call me. And then like the first thing you see him do is not just blow something up, which is what you see him do in the book. Yeah. They cut to a later scene where he is not just blowing things up, but he's orchestrating this kind of music. Yes. And that's a little goofier, which kind of lightens him up in the middle of the book. But they do that right at the beginning, because they're like, oh, this guy is doing some pretty terrible things, but look at how mean all the people that he's doing it to are. They're they're just old, white, mean people. They're bad. They're bad people. Yeah. Um." they do that all throughout to like humanize him and it works very well i think yeah. i i think in the long run the things that i really don't like about the movie are the aggressive changes to the interesting conversation that alan moore is attempting to have with us which it's, are lost because like they're having a conversation about something else like, that is equally interesting yeah. just different and it loses a lot of the a lot of like the energy that the book has
0: well it's like someone's like reading the book and then they put on the mute button on some of like the real conversations you don't want to fucking have mm-hmm. the hard conversations like someone's putting on the ear and being like oh we could do I don't want to talk about this part and that's kind of you know do I think that that's just like the problem with adapting really radical works of art into consumer friendly media yes yeah. I mean that's exactly what this is <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the graphic novel
1: view for Vendetta is a work of art yes the 2006 film is a movie. Right. It's really not trying to push any buttons. It's, you know, it is saying, it's like, hey, let's be free and let's not let things happen. But it's also not making any direct... Yeah. Not at that time. Not making any direct comparisons. No. But you watch some of the shit that John Hurt, the leader, says in this. And it's like verbatim... Um a dude who is very important in this world right now. Uh, One of those dudes. uh, He he is like saying the exact same stuff. There's that whole thing where John Hurt's character is on that big screen. He's talking to the five main dudes and he's like, I want the people to understand what just happened to be this. And I want them to think this because of that. And I want them to remember that they need us because of this and that without us, they're fucked. And that was pretty much the entire 2016 campaign trail.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, are we taking a break for this one? No, take a break? Yeah, we can take a break. Let's take a quick break and come back. Sure. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of an ad. We're going to talk about more story screen shit. When we come back, we have. Uh, there's still a lot of v for Vendetta shit I want to talk about. Yeah, I think I- we, we kind of. Eased our way into a little bit, yes. next, like now, we'll break into some of that. I wouldn't heavy say our, I wouldn't say our toes are in the water. We might have our like calves in, maybe even our knees. But I'm trying to submerge myself up to my knees. You're up to your knees. And we're about the same height. We're about the same height. So we're both about up to our knees and be from Vendetta. And when we come back, we're going to be trying to get fully submerged. Fully submerged. Fully submerged. Vivishly. Wait. Oh, okay. vastly. 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 Was there a v- vindicated word for indicated
1: in? The vivacious waters of (laughs) victory and vengeance. Is that
0: water viscous? Yes. We'll be right back. Thanks.
1: Hey guys, Mike Birch here, popping in real quick to give you the heads up on Oscar season. You know, if you heard, there's a little thing called the Academy Awards happens in February, counts all the movies from the last year, and they give them awards and stuff. You can be into it, or you cannot, but if you are into it, uh, you should run on back down our episode list. Uh, One of the first episodes we ever did was we covered the Oscar nominations uh, for the 2017 Academy Awards, covering all the movies from 2016. Um, made some predictions. Some of them were correct. Some of them weren't. Uh, rightly and unjustly so in both regards. Uh, so run back there and check that out if you want to get a little taste about how we treat our Oscar season. We're going to be doing another episode of that very soon in uh, conjunction with our uh, Best of 2017 podcast. Keep your eye out for that as well. Uh, also, if you want to um, listen to people talk more about books and movies, uh, you can head on back and listen to our Carrie podcast. Uh, episode of Real Page Turner where I was joined by the lovely Ramona Rodriguez to talk about the Stephen King book and the Brian De Palma film of the same name. Uh, So jump back and check that out and uh, also tons more podcasts and articles at StoryScreenBeacon.com
0: Hello and welcome back to this episode of Real Page Turner where we're talking about Leave for Vendetta. So, Mike, we talked about character changes, Alan Moore, things like that. Uh, I kind of want to get into maybe some of our favorite moments from each. Maybe we talked about those before. Um, But what what are some moments from the graphic novel that really stood out to you and really, kind of stick in your mind post reading it.
1: Uh, I think that I my favorite part of both the book and the movie are probably uh, everybody's favorite part, which is the uh, the Valerie subplot yeah. while um, while Evie is uh, uh, being tortured by what she believes to be um, the the
0: uh, the fascist the regime, machine. Mm-hmm. yeah, uh,
1: but is actually, in fact, V um, pretty much trying to break her down yeah mm-hmm. so that she can understand where he's coming from, pretty much putting her through these kind of similar ordeals that he went through oh. uh but the the entire Valerie segment, which is evie is locked in a cell and sh- her uh they shave her hair her hair her hair mm. and then she needs some air eh which is yeah uh they, they shave <laughs> they shave her head yeah uh, they're torturing her and they're 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 feeding her absolute nonsense and uh um, and she finds this, uh, little rolled up piece of, uh, toilet paper that, uh, has this, uh, uh, story on it of this woman named Valerie, who was a prisoner, supposedly in the same, one of the same cells that she is in. She was, she in. was
0: room four. Right, we find out. We find out. Yes. yes.
1: And, uh, and it's, it's very sad, uh, it kind of brings into, it, it, it brings a human element to a backstory that we have already been learning a lot about uh in the book it kind of adds to the layers of what they're talking about in the movie it's kind of a relevatory moment where you go oh that's what they were doing
0: because they kind of like tease around it for a little bit and you're kind of like man there sure are a lot of white people in this movie it adds empathy but also like kind of contextualizes what's going on and it kind of further adds empathy to uh, V's character, because you know, at the end of the day, like he's he's essentially a concentration camp survivor. That's mm-hmm. that's who he is. Yep. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's my that's probably my favorite moment from the movie for sure. I think in the book, there's like a ton of moments I really like when he makes the the bishop eat the poison Eucharist. That's great. Uh, like, the I'm bishop like, scene shit, in the, in the uh, book
1: is so great, and they 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 turn it into so something good. a little different in the movie, uh, but. It's, the the Valerie thing is so, they've got that line in it that's in both the book and in the movie, and it's, I don't understand why they hated us so much. Yeah. And it's it's so hurtful and gripping. That's, like, the thing that gets me the most is uh, people being... uh, dehumanized uh, for things that are completely out of their control and should not be in anybody's control anyway. That's kind of the beauty of these different things. That's the beauty of being someone who is a person of color or being someone who is homosexual or in being someone who doesn't uh, believe that you just need to march to the same uh, trumpet that everybody else is marching to. It's like, you know, the, the outsiders and the, the uh, the people who are vilified by just doing the things that make them happy and they're not hurting anybody else. Yeah. It's really sad and they they take you through this woman's entire life when she was younger and then when she was a teen and then when she was older and finally into her last days being thrown into a experiment ridden concentration camp where the only reason she's there is because she chose to love differently. Yeah. And it's sad. It's so, it's so sad. sad. Uh and it, it really breaks into to like the idea that, you know, they they did these things to this man who we never find out who he is, who becomes V. Yeah. I mean he doesn't know who he is. Because they, they
0: even allude to the fact that he one of the side effects of him being on the medicine at St. Mary's or the vaccines that they were testing on him is that he he first does not remember who he is, has gone insane, and then Is so good at gardening. They actually allow him to do the garden at St. Mary's. That's great. In which case, how he—that's how he makes the bomb and and escapes. Yeah, and the mustard gas. That's how he. And it's it's this this idea. And I love that you know V's idea of like rebirth. It's like his, you know, there's no reason to necessarily like you know obviously V used to either be a man of color. In the movie, they kind of take that away from us. But you have to think about why were people sent to this concentration camp?
1: I don't think it's ever revealed what No, it's not color revealed. was, yeah. It's, well, in, in the he's movie, one he has... he's one of these descendants. He's one of these people. He's one of the others. Yeah. Or, 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 other or people. he could be, yeah, or he could be, you know, a white, straight man who was, was a socialist. Was, was, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. That was like, that had decided to ally with these people because he's not a piece of shit.
0: But I love the idea, and it kind of makes me. So v's rebirth is seems very whole and um you completely kill the person he used to be he escapes he puts together his own mind creates the shadow gallery which is a shadow of culture and him existing as a shadow of someone and then he lives on as this kind of romanticized agent of chaos Mm -hmm. when you have evie's rebirth um I almost question, and I think this is on purpose from Alan Moore, I question the authenticity of her rebirthing, because mm-hmm. it's orchestrated by someone. That's very important in the book, and I think that the movie doesn't understand that. I don't think so either. I think the movie's trying to be like, no, she's exactly the same as V, and it's like, no! It's very weird, because the book doesn't
1: contain a line of dialogue that the movie does contain, and the line of dialogue is inferred in the book. And in the movie, I feel like it went over their heads and they didn't understand that this is what the point was, but like, it's supposed to be a bad point And they kind of flip it and turn it in this weird way. She says that, uh, like it, the entire idea falls down to doing monstrous things to people that you believe to be monsters are actually, is actually what's going to turn them into monsters. Right. It's the idea that the more you belittle and subject and like, just like, hurt uh, a group of people the more radicalized they will become because they will see that they they are going to be taught that they should be feared and that they that they that they are feared and that they are not welcome and that's going to radicalize them and make them go like well then fuck you and it's you know it's a it's a piece of shit thing to do to people and uh he does it uh to someone that he claims to love that he someone that he claims to care about in he does in order, of because he thinks yeah. it's something that she needs and it's it's just another part of him being absolutely cuckoo bananas mm-hmm. and in the movie it's a little bit more acceptable where she's like okay you did this to me uh i i i have broken through i accept it but i'm fucking out of here yeah and in the book it's more she's like okay what next she Let's, has what are we
0: she has some kind of like insane case of Stockholm syndrome yes. and like you know i what i think one of the biggest flaws of the movie is and it's like the problem i have with to go on a tangent with um dexter the tv show seasons like 5 through beyond whereas pieces of shit pieces well i think <clears throat> the garbage. I think so my problem with like those seasons of Dexter is that they Dexter's always been a guy who he's our protagonist and he's heroic like because he kills people who pretty much deserve it, but he doesn't do it for the right reasons. He does it as like a craving addiction and a dependency to kill. Yeah, he kind of like redirected. His it. father pointed him in the the right direction. He pointed a like, gun at people who maybe deserve. Right. Instead of it, it just like kinda of going in spoilers for Dexter. No spoilers yeah. for Dexter. Um but then in those later seasons of Dexter they try to recontextualize him as like a hero mm-hmm. as a superhero. And I don't think the moral that you should impart to your audience is that murder is good. No is bad. Is bad. Is bad. We and literally
1: don't murder some of the worst people that we finally
0: incarcerate. Yeah. And in it, most places most that places. are run by people who are not pieces of shit. Exactly. So for Viva of the movie, to kind of like recontextualize the same events as this like heroic step, it's kind of like a weird neoliberal wet dream that I'm like not totally. In the cockpit for oh well, yeah, yeah I I have like, I, I may not have just
1: as much problems with neoliberalism as I do with neoconservatism agreed. but it's
0: pretty fucking close it's I don't want it because even. like
1: you shouldn't go like
0: you know like, you don't want to go too, too extreme fr- in no, either way you don't no because
1: it is extreme yes. and we don't want extreme no. unless it's in our flavor of candy. I can go because I can get then down. they are sour, and sour it makes makes of a good candy. It makes it some of the good candy. Some of us like extreme
0: sour. airheads are great. That's what you think. Extreme warheads. I can get down with like really dark chocolate, that which better, is, an that is an extreme. Of chocolate. I agree. Dark chocolate is an extreme chocolate. But that sour shit, I don't like that. And fuck you. You should go to jail. I'm gonna it's put you sour in jail. Stuff? Yeah, you like too much sour stuff.
1: My They're sour people, straws. Listen,
0: my people who like dark chocolate and not sour stuff really don't like Your you. Your people, and we're gonna throw you in in the uh, the prison place. You
1: there's you... a scene in the <laughs> book. No, this is not. This is. I'm going off of this. There's Please. a scene in the book where there's a character. Uh, her name, I believe, is Helen, and she is essentially attempting to orchestrate taking over. Lady Macbeth. What she's leading me yeah, 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 exactly. She's exci- she's uh, trying to set up. Uh, once everybody's done getting all fucked up, she's gonna try and take her little boy toy and put him in power. Yes. Um, and there's a scene where like she's like talking to him and he's like kissing her leg and then she's like nah back she, like, and like hit hits him, him right? and then yeah. she's like open your mouth eat, eat your chocolate and she like shoves like a <laughs> like a chocolate in his mouth and he, like spits it up on the floor it's weird. and he's just like the rest of the bucks you get when all this is over and like there's. That character has so many fun things in the book, and she gets a great comeuppance at the end. Yes, uh, which is the the end of the book is It's her her story, story being closed out, and Finch's story, the detective, kind of uh, being brought to a close. And we get to see Finch has an amazing subplot in the book, oh. where in the he's, movie in the movie such a good character in, in the, the movie. Book, Finch's character is kind of he he kind of gets uh put in this place where he starts to understand where V and EV and this whole movement are coming from and he starts to question his own alignment and what he's been taught. In the book, he never really completely aligns. Actually, in the book, he's the one that kills V yes by shooting the shit out of him. But in order at at one point in the book, which is one of the best parts of the book, um he, takes he goes a bunch to of he goes to the Lark Hill <laughs> resettlement, camp yes. the concentration camp that V was held at at one point. Mhm. Um and takes a bunch of acid. Yes, LSD.
0: That actually might be one of my favorite parts. It's a very good part of the book to try
1: and get in the mindset of V. And you're like, that's a
0: terrible idea.
1: Yeah, but it works. It works. It works. It it works. (laughs) And he goes there and he's tripping the fuck out, and he kind of has this grand awakening. Um, and it's great too because when he's taking the pills, he says, "Is this going to be enough?" Or is it too much? And then later on Evie has the same thought with the amount of explosives that are on the train that they're going yeah. to be sending to Parliament, which is uh, is this enough or is it too much? And it's it's kind of this repetition of that. but Finch's whole story is he finds he figures out where V is and he goes down there and he confronts him and he ends up shooting him. And but V lets him live because he understands. Like I was waiting for you to come here to figure out who I am. Yeah, for all these different reasons. The thing is,
0: V is always he's always five steps ahead of five steps ahead. He's always V steps ahead of five. I know. I understand understand. it's V. He's always V steps. Oh, you got that after watching the movie, right? It took me a while. It took me a while. (laughs) A lot of it was going over my head. Um. Yeah, he seems to always be... It's crazy, in the book they do it much more eloquently where th- things fall into place exactly how, how the... Like dominoes. Yeah. Like dominoes. And even his line before hitting the dominoes, the sequence of uh, panels leading up to that, mm-hmm. his it's line is... Good. It's so good. I actually wrote it down because it's one of my favorite lines in the graphic novel. He goes, Poor dominoes. Your pretty empire took you so long to build and with a... Sw- what, what is it? With a... Snap of the fingers, down it goes. And it's like panel, panel, it's like separated by like a panel of V with the dominoes, him just about to flick it, mm-hmm. intercutted with like shit going down. All the different,
1: with... all the different people he's set up mm-hmm. throughout the past and couple years. it's just, years. it is it's so It's like good. a, uh, it's like a house of cards, you know, yeah. you ta- like anything,
0: one thing happens, it all comes tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Spacey's career. Like Kevin Spacey's career. But it, you know, I, it's so good because, you know, in the V for Vendetta movie, he only has one scene playing the dominoes. In the graphic novel, every single volume break is him placing a domino. It's his hand placing a domino at the end. Mm-hmm. And for that build to happen, it's just... I really love I really love the graphic novel. I just really love it.
1: I love the use of the dominoes, the practical dominoes in uh, the movie. Yeah, what, there's like some crazy statistic on how it long it It is over 200,000 dominoes were used, and, and I mean, they were people... set up by four professional domino makers, and it took them over 200 hours.
0: to do it and then
1: they knocked it all down in one take with multiple cameras all over the place just to make sure
0: that's pretty legit
1: some legit shit
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) the knife fight scenes are cool they are cool they're neat it's weird because the book doesn't have that many
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. what is it what do they call it like knife time as they call it bullet time in the Matrix. Oh, uh, I guess it is a little bit like knife
0: time. time. <laughs> so, when wow, was. there it goes. wow. So, back in, in Yield 2005, when I'm watching the movie, knife fights to me, I'm like, this shit is cool. Mm-hmm. I actually do think the knife fights where he's doing. where you don't see a ton of movement, like in the TV station, mm-hmm. looked really cool. His final showdown with uh, Creedy, a little. <laughs>
1: no, I like that. You like it?
0: I, I'm starting to get the
1: fucking the, feeling here. Shut up for a second. I'm starting to get the feeling that no, you dude. don't like fight scenes.
0: I love The Raid. It says a high bar. Ugh. I love The Raid. And yeah, I but love... not everything can
1: be The Raid. You understand The Raid is considered one of the greatest yes. choreographed fight scene movies With of all time. You can't fi- compare it. Okay, but the to simplistic
0: that. fight scenes of, say, Mad Max are also very well executed. So you like realistic... No. Brr. No, I can get down. I can get down with some like wild superhero esque fighting. What's your favorite superhero fight
1: in modern superhero films?
0: Um, I actually really like the Spider Man vs. Green Goblin showdown when they're in the church. From Spider Man, Tobey Maguire. Spider Man, the first one. Same. The Randall. first one. Yeah. Huh.
1: The last one. The ending. Yeah. The ending. Uh, that's of the a
0: good movie. They're kind of like zooming all over the place. And he's well, like, you're zooming. So I'm a wet glider. Because like, why wouldn't I do that? And there's a really great point where Spider-Man finally has the Green Goblin pinned against something, and he's punching him, picking oh, him yeah. back up, placing him down, punching him, picking him back up, placing him down, and it's it's gruesome. And but told. then that's how then the glider comes behind him. Spidey sense flips over mm-hmm. it. no more Osborn, you're dead now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So spoilers for Spider-Man. Sorry. Green Goblin dies a lot in a lot of Spider-Man properties. Green Goblin dies a lot He in dies Robin. a lot of <laughs> Spider-Man. Norman, <laughs> Norman Osborn usually isn't long for this world. If he's in a property that you're reading, watching, or playing, he ain't gonna make it. Because mm-hmm. he has a son. And son's gotta take thrones. Mm-hmm. That's how that works, right? Yep, you got it. Yeah, there you go. you good. So that's that's one quick superhero fight scene I can get down with.
1: Uh, a, I, I like the ending uh, fight scene with them where it's kind of like the like the like the slow motion you know and he's like kind of like I like it because it kind of sets the stakes at the beginning where you're like this guy's fucked he's not getting out of this and he's just like the only thing me and you have in common right now to the head bad guy is that we're both going to be dead in a little bit and he's like how's that going to happen with my hands around your neck yeah. and you're like how in the world is he going to get to that guy to the point where he can get his hands around his neck and kill him because you know it's going to happen and then it's just like they they blow him away and you're like what's going on here? And you don't have time to really catch up. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, he does pretty much the whole like, my turn kind of thing. Yeah. And he just like starts whipping at these guys and there's like, there's like at least three or four different moments in that
0: where I'm like, that's a cool death. That's a cool death. That's a cool way to shoot that. He that's does really He cool. does the cool one where he, he picks one guy up with a knife and then brings him down on the ground. Yeah. That's a pretty cool one too. I guess you're yeah. swaying me a little bit. I think that in 2017, the whips, the wisps behind his knives...
1: Oh, yeah. That don't a look little... that good. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's the knife time. Because, like, the that bullets... Remember, the time. bullets are, like, making it's
0: waves. And you're it, just is, like... it is a Wachowski-written movie. Um, and because of that, there's some things from the book that don't translate to the movie that I think is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Because it's written by the Wachowskis, Go and they on. have written The Matrix. Um, the main... One of the... I think one of the biggest parts missing from the book to the film is the idea of fate. Fate, the the AI component. Yeah, they kind of, of take that away. It's weird, because I think that, like, that's something the Wachowskis, in theory, might be, like, super down to discuss and talk about. Yeah, maybe, but maybe just for that same reason that they did, oh. because it's kind of a little too similar. Well, I think they they wrote this script, I think, back in the 90s. They wrote it, or, I mean, like, like in 1990, I think they wrote the first drafts of it, or, like, early 90s they wrote it. Mm-hmm. And it got shopped around for, like, you know, almost 15 years before it actually got made. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's a little weird, because, you know, I think they have, you know... They have an affinity for sci-fi and, and the ideas of like consciousness versus AI. And I think the, the idea of fate being the alignment and kind of the singularity of idea and that kind of being like the God to a fascist regime of like uniformed people. I'm like, yeah, that seems like that'd be pretty cool. And that's like, like the only friend, the, uh, what do you, I mean, what do you call the leader of a fascist regime? What is, what is this like title? He's not chancellor or something. What is he? Well,
1: I think he's a chancellor in this. Oh, actually. then he's a chancellor. Yeah, okay.
0: supreme leader. Supreme leader, or some shit. That's like his. Emperor. That's like his friend. And then V's getting his, like, you know, by making him think that fate is talking to him by saying, I love you. And it drives the supreme leader insane. Like, yeah, that's great that stuff. That stuff is really I mean, good. The movie is still already. 2
1: hours and 12 minutes. I know they they, they fit a lot in. And they're like, "All right, we got to condense this. We got to keep this down." That's why they really get rid of like a lot of these different. They get a lot they get rid of a lot of the subplot of the finger yeah. and they get rid of a lot of the subplot of the ear and the nose and all those guys. Like, I mean, I guess the nose actually is Finch. So they the don't nose, really cut yeah, the that. Nose down. is Finch. But, you know, like they don't really give anybody uh I will say I really do enjoy their casting and the guy who is the um you know the media mogul the guy that is the face and the voice of like all these lies that they are spreading cuz he's got just but a his, great he's
0: he's awesome in the movie his death is just not anywhere close to how good it is no and they had to move they oh, had no, to move. He, they they actually, move. it's weird cuz they didn't kill him in the book they kill him in the movie yeah yeah because yeah, the they book. just got to
1: move they yeah. got to go
0: you can't explain all the dolls
1: right Yeah, it's like I well, you... but i like it they put the dolls in there the dolls were in, in, there. Their in the background and you're okay. like cuz in the in the graphic novel He's, like, got this weird obsession with dolls. Everybody's kind of making fun of him behind mama, his back for. <laughs> and then uh, the he gets kidnapped by V. Yeah. And he wakes up and he's in uh, a uniform from the resettlement camp up Lark Hill that he yeah. worked at at the time V was there. And he wakes up and V shows up dressed as, like, this kind of, like, he's like a court jester kind of thing. And he's yeah. like, come on, Daniel, it's time to make your rounds. And, exactly, kind of. yeah. Yeah. and yeah. he brings like Circus Olay leader. Exactly, yeah. And he brings him out to like where it would normally be human beings that were like dying that they had imprisoned, uh, lined dolls. up, ready for things, but it's all his dolls. In like concentration outfits. It. Yeah, and yeah. he's like breaking down. And he's like, don't hurt my dolls. And he ends up putting them all in like the ovens that they actually cooked people in yes. and does that. And he shows more affinity for these dolls, for these uh, this materialistic objects. Mm-hmm and and addiction that he has and he cares more about them than like real people's lives he burns it in front of him and ends up driving him crazy and all i can do is say mama
0: yeah it's you know the move the the book is is as much a a story of a vendetta that because v brings up in the graphic novel he is the destroyer evie is the creator yes eve being the creator the vendetta being like you know v doesn't want to live in the world he creates Mm-hmm. He wants to die with the old.
1: He wants to watch it burn down because of what it yeah. did to him. He
0: wants to be the final missile on a train, beelining it to anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like he, that's his. That's what he wants. That's mm-hmm. his desire. Um, and again, like that in the that idea in the movie, and like these are the things that I think make v, v a beautiful character. Even like uh, V's conf- I wrote this as a note too, but V's confidence in the people. Him being like. I believe in anarchy because I believe in people. I think people will make the moral choice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't agree with that personally. <laughs> I don't think anarchy would work in any situation, but believing in the people, like that's a beautiful sentiment mm-hmm. to be like, even without laws and even without these guidelines and even without the paradigms in place, people will do it. People will do it. And he, he just has the most faith faith in humans More so than any other character. Even someone who has every right to hate all people. He is someone who's just like, you guys are the, you know, you are the tumors. And I am going to kill all of you. I'm going to get you out of here. But because of that, I'm part of the problem. And I need to go with the old world as well.
1: It's, there's a, there's a level to like believing in people that it's a very simple it's a it's a simple understanding of realizing that every single person regardless of who they are or what they've been raised in loves someone whether or not it's even just themselves they love someone mm. and the idea is that if like as Tommy Wiseau attempted to say at this year's golden globes he almost he almost got there he almost got there <laughs> he was going to say and this was released uh, today uh that everybody should learn to love everybody else, and the world will be a great place. Go see the room. Enjoy life. Essentially, that's what he was saying. Yes, uh, I agree with all of that. And it's you know <laughs> if we could if we could somehow learn instead of putting these restrictions and these laws on all of these things that we feel are out of control or need to be controlled in the first place, and if we could just start putting more emphasis on loving people for their differences and for their similarities and understanding that these are things that we can talk about that can help us understand people and better understand ourselves like that's such a an enlightened sense that we were very much moving towards in the past uh, like 10 years, like we were very much moving towards that after the the, the Bush presidency, we were learning that we cannot continue to live in these archaic ways of, like, war profiteering and just kind of going along with what our governments are doing. We need to question them. We need to check them. We are here to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do. They are not there
0: to we do that to sh- us. We shouldn't be afraid of our government. No. The government should be afraid of its people.
1: Yes, that's what they're really getting at. And I... I think that that's very, I really do think that that is lost in what the movie is trying to say because the movie is trying to say a a very different thing, which is if we can unify together, our governments can't control us because again, that's what the movie is more interested in is that whole motto, that theme that you just said, which is governments should be afraid of their people. People shouldn't be afraid of their governments, that kind of thing. Whereas the book is kind of talking about all these gigantic ideas of what it means to be a community and what it, what unity really means, what freedom really means. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it's the idea like that's what freedom really is. It's that we would be able to operate fully with full freedom, Mm -hmm. no laws, no government, no leaders, but people would still be inherently good enough that they would still be able to maintain, uh, Uh, Like a society that has some semblance of order that would allow us to progress and evolve into better beings and move on to the future.
0: Yeah. It's a good book. It's a really good book. And the movie is good for what it is. I think when we spend a lot of time kind of dissecting the book and then you think about, you know, the movie, it's just like, ah, but I just wish they could do this Mm -hmm. and this. And like... My kind of, like, final thought to kind of round out the discussion, when I I kind of posed it earlier, maybe not so much do you think that they could remake this movie. Not, like, remake the movie, but, like, do another adaptation of it. Perhaps. But maybe... Netflix series,
1: so, uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, the thing that I could see them doing. Series
0: would be really cool. But really, I really feel
1: like, you know, the, the book operates on um, what it's trying to say. And I think any adaptation into any type of film, regardless of the medium within the film, whether it's a movie or a TV show or something yeah. like that, a miniseries, I think it's, it's always going to kind of regress back to that kind of neoliberalism versus neoconservatism kind of thing I I think because I think that that's more applicable to the audiences of today whether they're American or not I think that's more the conversation that's going on like fascism now is not going to happen in the sense of how we believe fascism to be a fascist government can take control but it's going to be in the guise of this kind of either liberal liberalistic or conservative
0: Mm -hmm.
1: mentality because fascism is a bad word and we don't want to use it right they're going to call it something else, and that's where you get things like the alt-right. Right. Which is fucking fascism. Right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's what it is. And racism
0: and a lot of other that things. That usually gets folded into fascism yes. as well. Um, the hating of others by your own big group. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I actually, so in my screenwriting 2 class, or no, it was, it was like one of my, I went to school for screenwriting playwriting, one of the classes we took. We had to come up with a bunch of pitches for like TV shows or uh, movies. And I actually came up with one that's like something Alan Moore would hate and is very sacrilegious. But I actually wanted to make a story. It'd be on like FX or something, but it'd be about uh, it's the story after reading Vendetta. It's about Evie being V, training that guy that she finds in the Shadow Gallery. Dominic, right? Isn't it Dominic? I think it is Dominic. I think it's
1: Finch's partner.
0: Is it Dominic? Well, I'm wait. I'm fairly certain. Interesting.
1: I'm fairly certain that that's who that is. So him. Mm-hmm.
0: And then she, it's about her training him, having flashbacks to the Viva Vendetta storyline, and then about rebuilding London, basically. I don't mind. That'd be kind of cool. I'd read it. Yeah.
1: Especially if you wrote it. Oh,
0: stop. Mm-hmm. You gotta read my, my screen.
1: I told you. I got two more movies to see from 2017 to yeah. complete my list. And then it is reading babies,
0: screenplay, That is the only birthday present games. I want, is... For you to read that, and Jack to read it, and then you hear back.
1: I'm very excited to read it.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Uh,
1: you know what else not... I'm
0: really excited to read? Mm. Our
1: next Real Page Turner hey! installment. Check it out.
0: So, Real Page Turner is going to come back at you next month with uh, Alamore's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. You guys will be talking about, uh, I will not be on the episode, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. If you guys want a third chair, I'll fucking do it. But um so yeah, so Mike and is Jack gonna be host. Jack
1: is uh running it. I'm not entirely sure yet if I'm going to be okay. on it yet. Well, pretty much like we're announcing it right now. We announced it about a month ago just to let everybody know, but now we're gonna full steam into it, where if you want to be on the podcast, and you're yeah. in the area and you enjoy the graphic novel Watchmen and you enjoy the movie, or you don't enjoy either of them or one or the other, you and you're interested in <laughs> being on the podcast, please get in touch with us. Go to StoryScreenBeacon.com, go all the way down to any page on our website, and there's a little contact box. You can contact us about being on the episode. Let us know a little bit about yourself, what you'd like to talk about. Pick up a copy of Watchmen. Uh, watch and read it,
0: and watch the movie. Have a nice, fresh take on it, and we would love to have anybody on now, there. We can have up to four people. Do you recommend that they watch the director's cut of Watchmen, and then also get the Black Frigate DVD? I mean, if you want to go the full
1: the full way into it, I don't really fuck around with. Director's if you're trying cuts. to get
0: straight, A's. I go for like
1: what it is. The only director's yeah. cut that I really go for is like you know something like Blade Runner right. or. Uh, uh, The Nighty Professor too. Well, I feel like yeah. Well, I you know. feel like
0: most. Uh, I feel like most director's cuts are like we put in the deleted scenes, whereas like something like Blade Runner is like, I reshuffled the movie into my vision. Yes, that's more what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Watchmen is very much not about Zack Snyder being like this is my vision. It's much more being like this is what you wanted, right? More the comic. You, wanted the, you just want to see the comic book movie. I actually haven't seen the director's cut, so if I am on the episode, I'll probably watch the director's cut just so I can kind of see. I think it comes on most of the DVD copies at this point. I have the DVD somewhere. I actually think I have the Mr. Man, or Mr. Manhattan. The, wait, Dr. Manhattan? Dr. Manhattan. I have the Dr. Manhattan, uh, like it's his face. That's like the DVD <laughs> box okay. is like his head. I actually I have that somewhere. Okay. So I kind of like that movie. I really like that. We'll see. Yeah, I haven't watched in a while. We'll see. I thought we've talked about. It. I thought you kind of liked that movie too. Yeah, sure. What's not to like? It's just uh, it's a movie. I like uh, <laughs> you know Mister Blue Dong hanging low. Well, all right. Then. Spoiler uh, <laughs> alert. <laughs> Spoilers for Watchmen: characters have dicks, <clears throat> and some don't. Um, anything you want to add to our? Weaver Vendetta Discussion? Oh, no,
1: I thought that was about it. That's uh, I feel pretty good about that.
0: I feel pretty good. Uh, let us know if you feel pretty good about that episode. We'd love to talk to you, and we'd love to hear more from you. For everything StoryScreen, go on the website, StoryScreenBeacon.com, where you can check out articles, more podcasts, merch, buy a fucking t-shirt. It keeps the lights on. All right? I don't know why I have to keep saying this. Just buy a t-shirt. <laughs> it's not hard, okay? They're 20... 20- We're selling them. We're selling them? No, oh, yeah. So to all of dudes who bought a t-shirt, thank you. If you haven't here. bought
1: a t-shirt yet, yeah, what the
0: fuck the fuck? Just buy it. This is so cheap. And then you get to, you know, parade around. People I'm are, actually
1: wearing one right yeah, now. Wearing, really, and, yeah. it looks, and listen, it looks, it looks really great. good. It looks and the really more you wash it, the better it gets. Oh mm-hmm. my God, it's so you good. You gotta
0: fade that logo so it looks like, you know. And you you want to walk around town, people are gonna be like, what well, story screen? Do you like movies? And you say, yeah, you fucking chump. I like movies. Nice. What movies have you seen? And they're like, I don't even know what Citizen Kane is. And you could say, Rosebud and the conversation's over because they don't really care what you think they don't know what it is they don't know what that means it's a slate yeah well oh Jesus don't I'm sorry I don't mean I don't mean to do that spoilers for Citizen Citizen Kane Kane. oh god Uh, God. uh, and the shirt is actually
1: made by our good buddies over at Goners they're a local guy in Beacon Uh, my friend Justin runs them and uh, we we paid the extra dollar to get the really good fabric so it feels nice ain't gonna shrink i think it's worth the dollar we got more colors coming up too uh but you know we got to wait until we kind of sell out of these ones first just Mm. because we're a business so if you want to get one that's not a white font on black shirt buy like five of them
0: and then you'll be able to get one of those ones i would say buy them if you don't want to wear them give them to your friends or throw them in the incinerator Mm -hmm. we don't care what you do with it once you buy they
1: make really good late christmas
0: presents very ah, Yeah, I agree do. with that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Page Turner. Um, we have some other good episodes in the backlog. This oh, is our yes, third we one. Do. So please. do. Oh, before
1: we go out, quick Jeez. shout out to our buddy, Colin Shane, a.k.a. Von Holt. Uh, he makes all the music for all of our episodes. Just want to give oh, a nice yeah. shout out
0: to him. I know he's a listener as well. He's a nice guy. Thanks, man. He makes really good the music. Uh, you the music but he makes is good The music, I really love the I mean I love all the music he does but the Batman theme is like one of my favorite Ah, movies. dude he made he that on the train he killed it he made that on the he
1: train he killed
0: it it's crazy it's so good and yeah let's start a Batman podcast Um, alright guys enough plugging thanks for listening if you're interested in uh being on Real Page Turner or if you're excited for the next episode check out some Watchmen get on it and again we'll be back with more podcasts very very soon happy 2018 bye Bye. Once told me the world...